Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Good morning and welcome to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We were also streaming live at all the W's, ocrfm.org.au. I'd like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people who are the traditional owners of the land we're recording on today and pay my respects to their elders both past and present. Once again, we're chatting via Zoom today, keeping our physical distancing because of the COVID ID and it looks as though it's going to go on for some time. It sure does, but we need to keep connected like this on radio or on Facebook, whichever way we can, by phone, ring each other up. And um, that's what we're doing and, uh, yeah, keeping supporting each other because it is a time where we can feel a little bit, oh, well, disconnected, I guess. So we want to be to get connected. And today we've got a pretty good connection going on here because we've got the joy of being able to chat with Emma Collin, who was Parkinson's Victoria CEO. How are you, Emma? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me, Edwina and Greg. Look, it's fan- well, it's fantastic that you're uh, able to make time now, and I assume because we are doing this via Zoom, it doesn't look as though you're in your normal general office in, uh, in Melbourne there. You look as though you've got a bookcase and some very personal stuff behind you. So what's happening there? I have. I have. We're, we've actually been working, the team from Parkinson's Victoria have been working from home since about the 15th of March. Which is actually the day... Yeah, so, yeah. The Ides of March, we can't forget that. That was the actual day that, um, well, our restrictions first started, isn't it? That's right. Uh, we, we've been planning, I think. We've been watching. Um, we have very good friends um, around the world um, in the Parkinson's community. We're very, um, we're very connected. And uh, we could certainly see what was transpiring around the world for communities. And we're very con- concerned about what the impact would be here. So we prepared very early and we made the move to move out of the office um, so that we could continue to provide support and care and community. Uh, we were scared, I think, at the time, like many were, if, if we had one infection within the office, we potentially would have to close the office and not have any supports or services available. So we moved um, staff home very quickly where we've been able to continue to provide services for the last well, the last five months. And it's given you a lot a lot of time there to reflect on, well, I suppose past, present and now the future because of the, the, what's happened. Um, we'd better be just introduced too because we've got, well, she's well known to us here in Colac on OCRFM. It's Naomi Latiri who, well, I haven't got you down as anything to do with Anamkara even though you work out of Anamkara, but you today are here as the coordinator of the Colic and District Parkinson's Peer Support Group, Naomi. Yes, it's a very active group um, in Colac that we have uh, for the Colac and District Parkinson's Support Group. Um, it's got, um, we have current, currently 25 people on the mailing list and over half of those members are quite active um, in participating in our monthly group meetings. We hold them on the uh, third Friday of every month out at Anamkara, um, just out of Colac. So, yeah, it's a very wonderful, supportive group. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're quite active. So with this time of COVID, it's been quite difficult for us to keep connected um, as we normally would. 
And you know, Drew, Andrew Aiden or Drew Aiden is going to be with us soon. He's um, well known also to us here on OCRFM, and he's a man who's um, living with Parkinson's. And uh, he'll be having a bit of a chat with us as well about what it's like to be, well, living with Parkinson's in this day and age and the support that's required. He's welcome back now. He's just been putting one of his fur kids, one of the four now, sadly, four only chihuahuas that he has. Uh, in, as his fur kids, fur kid family, how are you today, Drew? I'm really good, thank you. I'm really good. Good to be back again. Yeah, it is. It's good. Can we go back to you, Emma? The, as I say, the reflections that have gone on, you have been working on a lot of the stuff that Naomi let me know about or let Edwina and I know about with a lot of the telehealth and the connections being made now remotely. You've been working extensively on things on that for the future as well. So where yeah, are we going we, with that? We we were always had a trajectory where we were going to increase our, um, I guess, our, our ability for people to connect digitally. Um, I guess what we learned very early this year is that the need to uptake in that digital space was going to have an enormous push put placed on it by um, the COVID circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, what we were party to at the beginning of the year um, was a we were sponsor of a uh, conference called the Insight Conference, and we were expecting about 500, maybe 400 Victorians to to um, engage on that um, conference online. And what we saw as a result of the first set of um, restrictions that were imposed on us in Victoria was that we had almost a thousand people take that up, and in fact, 10,000 people um, participated in that digital event. Um, um, in the, at the beginning of April this year. So we certainly got a, a sense that, uh, that with it forced upon us that there would be a need to increase our digital work. And I think some of the work that has been promoted more recently is our efforts to roll out a lot of our programs. So we used to do seminars. Uh, we did our in-search series where we would come and present in the community. We did about 6,000 contacts with our community face-to-face -face per year in terms of um, individual meetings and presentations. And a lot of that over the last five months has had to move online. So we've got some programs available which people can register for online. But I think one of the other big challenges we have and we've always known is that many people in our community may not have great digital literacy. And, and as a result, we have put in a new service which is called our outbound call service where if we have your contact details and you're a member, we give you a call and see how you're going. And the response to that has been phenomenal with over 700 calls going out in that time, reaching out to members of the community, checking on them and linking them with perhaps services they didn't think that they needed. So that's been another critical piece of work that we've undertaken. With that, you're talking about current members. One of the big things that's going on now is people who are being diagnosed or early diagnosis or young Parkinson's people who are just coming on board. How is that being handled? Because the connections need to be made between GP diagnosis, neuros, whatever, right through. Well, we've continued. I mean, we've always held recently diagnosed seminars um, throughout Victoria, regional Victoria and in metro Victoria. We've always held them face to face. Um, uh, but we've transitioned them to on an online series as well. So um, rather than people, and of course, somebody who's recently diagnosed can always reach out to Parkinson's Victoria. And that way we can link you with your local peer support groups 
But at the moment, because they're not able to meet, it's even more important that people find a way to connect, um, particularly for that initial connection. And that's why we're running our um, recently diagnosed seminars online as well. As I said, that may not suit everybody. And if that doesn't suit you, then we can always talk to you and provide you individual support on our information line as well. Um, we're running a series um, for um, recently diagnosed, I think, at the end of the month, and that's um, all promoted on our, our on our website. But we are also running um, a, a Living Well series now. So there's, even if it's not a recent diagnosis, it's just about how you're living in COVID times, we can provide an online series there too. And is that uh, ongoing? Are the you know, GPs and the rest of it, are they all on board with knowing what's going to be happening or what is happening in terms of being able to give confidence to the new, the new person that, um, you know, things are going to be as well as good as can be, but, you know, are still going to be there to supply you with what you need? Look, um, in most cases, Greg, the, um, the, the diagnosis of Parkinson's will take place with a specialist. Um, it'll be a referral from a GP off to a neurologist in most cases, not all, in most cases, um, and in which, in which, at which point we do find that a lot of neurologists will actually make a referral um, and point people in the direction of Parkinson's Victoria so that we can give them that um, additional support at diagnosis. It doesn't always happen and sometimes people have to find them out themselves. Um, that happens too. Um, and I'd be, you know, be interesting to hear from Drew what his experience was on diagnosis. I remember many years ago, um, my diagnosis, I had played dumb by going to see a couple of doctors just to see what their views were. Not only were their views very, very different, but their views in many ways are very consistent as well in terms of, uh, oh, well, Andrew, um, you do know you have Parkinson's disease, don't you? Blah, 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 blah. And, and um, off you go then. We'll see you in a month or two's time. I didn't know that Parkinson's Victoria even existed, let alone there was a network throughout Australia. Um, that, I think, is, is um, unfortunately is a sad indictment to some extent of the medical profession. I'd like to think that nowadays, you know, eight or ten years down the track, that would have changed. Um, and certainly um, from a political perspective, there's so much that I've learnt through the NDIS and aged care systems in, in many ways not just Parkinson's disease, but those with um, disabilities of the brain more broadly, in my view, are left on a scrap heap. Um, it occurs to me that with the battles that I've had through the NDIS and aged care system, that the government of both political persuasions, I'm sad to say, have learnt nothing uh, very much at all, in my view, um, pre and post uh, diagnosis for Parkinson's disease for me. The difference is, um, um, if you like politically, who's running the show. Um, I'm still finding people who have the ability to be able to make decisions for people with um, disabilities, diseases of the brain aren't. Um, you know, I, I see and I hear of so many people losing their lives, uh, if only for difficulties and battles in being able to get care plans and care strategies in place. When um, the Anne Smith case in Adelaide is one tragic, very recent example of um, how the, in this case, both the Commonwealth and the state of South Australia failed 
a mature age woman of 53, 54 years of age who's earned the opportunity to be able to have her place in life. Um, who, to some degree, I understand um, part of her parents' estate had left for her ongoing care moving forward, only to find that people who um, had an authority to be able to act for and on behalf of her as a disabled person were in fact neglecting her and, and it was of nothing that was of, of a short-term uh, neglect. It was a series of well-entrenched neglect. That is but one example of what I would assume are thousands of examples throughout Australia and the country that I'd like to think is, is a country of a fair go of a country who looks out for people, who looks out for people who are in many ways disadvantaged. Um, I think we've got a long, long, long way to go. Um, and COVID-19 um, has exposed that to, the, to an even greater degree than ever I could have possibly have imagined that the suffering for people with, um, in the case of Parkinson's disease, uh, disabilities of the brain and otherwise, um, in my view, Australia has learned nothing by the way that it treats its people with disabilities. With that, Naomi, the way you reacted when Drew mentioned Anne's name, you obviously aware of it as well, which means that the peers or the group that you're supporting would also have heard about it. So there must be a general reaction. How does that make them feel as a group when they, well, as, as Drew said, they see these downfalls in the system how does it you know it must have an impact on them mentally and we haven't had a conversation as a group about that particular case um, and, and i an absolute tragedy and an absolute abuse of a vulnerable adult i totally agree with you drew i think it's a very sad um, reflection of um people being let down by a system that doesn't always work well um, certainly one of the things that I feel is really important uh, and, and the group tells me what they want for each session. Um, we have a discussion about, you know, well, here's the next week plan about six months in advance and we book our speakers in for each monthly meeting. And I'll just say to them, what do you want to know more about? What's you, what are you interested in? And they, I'll, I'll organise it on their behalf. And I think it's really important for us as a group um, uh, and for the members to be able to have the opportunity to access information that empowers them um, and reduces that uh, vulnerability that is absolutely there for someone who has uh, Parkinson's or indeed many of the other diseases that we can see for those that are chronically ill. Uh, so we really look to drill down into some of these services, be it my aged care, uh, be it, um, be it uh, understanding what an advanced care plan is and what it can do for you and how it can put you back in control of your life. Uh, and so we do make sure that we do uh, include some of those sessions every year even to remind ourselves of the importance of them. And I learn, I learn a lot at these various sessions that we do as well. Sometimes it's diversion, all the things we do, because obviously you don't always want to be focusing on your Parkinson's. Um, people can at times be fairly weighty. I see it in the group members that they can have some real ups and downs. 
But a lot of the things that the group does, which is wonderful, um, is actually share their own experiences and in sharing that, like it might be someone who has gone from being at home with a lot of support, using a lot of services, to someone who has gone into care and that transition from home to care might be an experience that the carer shares with the rest of the group. Um, to make it a little bit easier for when it comes to the time that that might be an experience for another member of the group if it should happen. Um, so no, we, while we haven't specifically talked about that case, I think everyone has that awareness of potential vulnerability of the situation they're in and how, I guess, the importance of being um, having the knowledge to give them the empowerment to, to hopefully avoid some of these terrible scenarios that hopefully don't happen on a regular occasion but unfortunately because it's a system that's um, that is um, managed and implemented by humans not all people have got the best of intentions but the intentions with that uh, Emma looking at it from the CEO of a well, it's one of the prime support mechanisms for people, especially with neuro, neurological issues and that. Um, I want to harp, harp back. Edwina and I have been broadcasting for a number of years, well before um, Drew had his diagnosis. And we talked back then with uh, MS, as well as is when we met Victor as well, as we all know, Victor mm -hmm. McConville. And Victor was aware then that a lot of the referrals were not occurring the way they should. That doesn't, is it, or does it, has it changed in the 12, 15 years that we've been talking about it? And how, not responsible, but how much or how, what import can you as a CEO of a critical support organisation have pushing better service for aged care, better service through NDIA? Are you in a position to be able to do much in a positive manner? Look, I, um, I wouldn't have the data to respond as to whether we think that the referral pathways are, are stronger. I would like to think that they are, given the fact that um, so many, you know, the, the increase in calls to our information line, the increase of, of visits to to our website, you know, if, they, if they've quadrupled in the amount of time that I've been with Parkinson's Victoria, that's an indication that people are finding their way to us, whether it be through a referral or it be through other mechanisms, and that's a good thing. Um, the other things that we've done since since um, I joined the team seven years ago, so Victor and I have been working together for, for some time, is make sure that we transitioned our, our team of support from health, health promotion officers, um, so people with a health background but not necessarily with clinical skill, to a multidisciplinary team, clinical team in the office. Because we knew that providing information was very different to providing, in some instances, critical secondary clinical consult support for people that could actually make a difference. And these people are skilled with knowledge and navigation of the system, so they can help with the navigation and help people formulate perhaps their own Parkinson's team of support um, that's unique to their, you know, circumstances. So we've worked really hard, I guess, in, in that perspective to recognise it, it is a difficult road to lobby government. 
um, for improved services. I was thrilled this year we secured four Western Region nurses for the Western Region part of Victoria um, to add to the teams in the West so that we could start to build some of that multidisciplinary capacity within the regional areas. That's a pilot running for Australia. So even though some of our lobby is, is difficult and, and long, we are making a difference in that space. So we were able to secure those nurses. We will continue to advocate for multidisciplinary teams in local areas to support people locally. And our team will continue to provide and upskill local teams, multidisciplinary teams with the knowledge and, um, and skills and strategies they need to provide people locally with support. When it comes to the NDIS, mm, Yes, I, I, um, it, it, it's been an incredible challenge. I advocated with, with a different hat on many years ago to see better services and supports for people with disability and in the aged care area as well. We, we now have two systems and the challenges continue for us to make sure that they can better support people with Parkinson's. Um, I agree with Drew, we've got some significant challenges around the NDIS's response to people with progressive neurological conditions. And that's not just Parkinson's, it's the other group, but we do advocate with um, the other neurological conditions for better, um, better response in the NDIS and in the aged care system. It doesn't mean that we're not in the middle of a, um, of a crisis now, which is highlighting significant gaps for us in systems whether it be health, aged care or um, disability, and that we are acutely aware of how people have fallen through the system or are falling through the cracks right now. And, you know, our response at the moment is to, is to address some of the residential aged care issues that we're certainly seeing. I think that was reported today that um, eight centres within, um, within Melbourne, uh, residential aged care facilities have over 100 people diagnosed with COVID. And we know that between eight, about 8% 8 of people in residential aged care or 8% of people living with Parkinson's are going to be residing in aged care, residential aged care. And that's so of all ages? The residential, so accessing aged care package, one thing, but actually residing in residential aged care, we, it's estimated about 8% of people living with Parkinson's would be residing in an aged care facility. And we are acutely aware that a lot of people in Melbourne would be residing in, in aged care facilities that are impacted. So we are working with the department to make sure that healthcare providers and residential aged care staff can access our services outside the normal hours that we provide so that we're there to provide support to those people who are providing care, perhaps for the first time, because they've brought a lot of transient staff in to those facilities because of um, people who have potentially been exposed and are isolating at home or have contracted the condition themselves. And as a result, we're making sure that those that are transitioning in, maybe picking up the care of a person with Parkinson's for the first time, have a lifeline to go to to get advice and support during this crisis. It's a really I'm very, I'm very, I'm very mindful. I'm just thinking, um, Emma is just thinking, I'm very mindful at the moment that there is, um, as I understand it, over 400,000 people in the NDIS system right now. Um, I'm, th I'm thinking, if I've read correctly, but it's something of, of a five to six hundred thousand 
um, are, are going to be in the system at its capacity. I'm not sure what the numbers are with how many people are in the, in the aged care system now by way of aged care packages, but we all know recently that there are well over 100,000 people waiting for aged care home care packages now. That tells mm -hmm. me that just on the numbers of those that are in the, in the NDIS system now and of those that are waiting for aged care packages to come into the system, that tells me broadly um, that there are about 600,000 problems in the system that we know of right now. What the percentage of those are who have brain disorder, brain dis diseases of some sort or another are in exactly the system that's causing these problems in the first place in terms of what it should be doing that it isn't. Um, not, not the least of which are the problems that are centred around COVID-19 now. Um, we are in, not to make too point, find a point of it, but it is a reality in my view, we are in a very, very deadly situation Australia-wide with, with a system that isn't coping with a system that is broken on a number of levels. And those of us that are living with Parkinson's disease and other um, brain-based disabilities are right in the centre of what it is that we're talking about today. It is, it is a disaster, not, not waiting to happen. It is happening right here, right now, today. And, and I, you know, I've, I've had now what, as we said the last time we spoke, I've had seven hearings in the AAT. We're about to come up with hearing number eight. That tells me precisely how much the Commonwealth is listening to people with Parkinson's disease. And I'm a person who has capacity, I believe, to advocate for myself. I put up with no nonsense from anybody ever. I'm one that does have the capacity to be able to speak up against a system that is broken and fight to make it better. I'm concerned about those who do not have the capacity or the willingness or the awareness to be able to fight a system they are frightened to even enter into, let alone to stay in it if they are. There is not a hope in hell that I'm ever going to end up in the aged care system. Not a hope in hell. I'm a firm believer in end of life strategies around my own choices and my own um, end of life plans down the track. There is no way, given what I know of the aged care system now that at 55 as I am now, that I'm ever going into an, to the aged care system. The way I think at the moment that, that at 55, I'll be lucky to get to 65, the way the system is right now. It is dangerous, dangerous system to be in, let alone to be going into. And the, and, the, and the problem with that is even worse that people who have the capacity to listen and to bring about change quickly, it has to happen right now. The problem is that people have the, the people that have the capacity to be able to bring about change are not. We'll have to come back after a little break and uh, we're going to put on a track and that'll give you time to, to think a little bit about that because it's given you a bit, bit there, Emma, Emma Collins, to have a think about. And Naomi and, and Drew, it's incredible the stuff you've got to say. We do need to have a little break and we're going to put on a track. And I didn't realise that um, the track we're going to put on, that the, the singer is actually a Parkinson's person as well, Emma, and you've chosen the track. And who's that? Oh, it's just left, just left the top. I'm thinking about what Drew has been speaking <laughs> yeah, I know about. Well, that's why I'm giving you a so... chance to have a break so <laughs> you can internalise it. And we'll have a listen to what's his name? That's you sweet. have to tell me. Sweet just, Caroline. Sweet Caroline. 
Neil right. Diamond. Neil, Neil Diamond. Diamond, of course. Neil Diamond. All right. Look, you're on OCR FM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We're going to have a listen to Neil Diamond. We're talking and having a great yarn at the moment with our guest being Emma Collin, who's the Parkinson's Vic CEO, along with Naomi Latiri, who I've got. I'm having you as a coordinator, please, Naomi, today, of the Colic and District Parkinson's Peer Support Group, and Andrew Aiden, who is living with Parkinson's. So we'll have a listen to this track, and we'll be back with you very shortly. Welcome back to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on OCR FM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. And of course, that was Neil Diamond and Sweet Caroline chosen today by our number one guest, I guess. And that is Emma Collin, who is Parkinson's Victoria's CEO. And she was listening to Andrew Aiden having a bit of a chat there before the break. And of course, Naomi Latiri, who is the coordinator at Parkinson's support group in Colac is also with us. Yeah, um, we had to have a break there, I think, Emma, because a lot of the, the conversation that went on in that, uh, and some of the ports that, points that Andrew or Drew brought up are quite important and uh, very poignant and pointed towards organisations such as yours as to how we can better yeah. deal with those who are in need of support and such. Drew's absolutely right. You know, the, the NDIS is a, is, you know, it was, it was a disability, I guess, insurance or a disability response um, to, to, I guess, addressing um, uh, from a, a national perspective, what our response would be in in that disability space. Um, you know, it changed the landscape in so many ways. And you know, I remember at the time one of the biggest disputes that we had over over pushing for better care and support for a system that didn't cherry pick people by a condition. It, pick them by, you know, the impact of their disability. They were the things that we fought for. And, you know, we are still fighting for them now. Drew's completely right. The system's not perfect. It is not operating um, uh, necessarily the way um, we had a vision for it to operate to support people with disability. I guess the thing we also need to acknowledge is that disability is something that impacts people regardless of age and that you can actually be over 65 with a disability. And, uh, and we have a system that, that draws a line between disability and aged care based on age, which, which for, for Parkinson's Victoria is still a complete and utter struggle. Um, even more so because people with progressive neurological conditions are still primarily considered to have a health condition rather than a disability. And, and consequently, the, the, the lobbying goes on. As Drew right, quite rightly pointed out, the NDIS you know, has the capacity of about 465,000. And yet we have, we have millions, millions of people living with disability in this country. And as a consequence, we know that it's selecting and choosing people based on criteria, which means that even when a progressive illness knows that you're going to progress with a condition over a period of time, you're not going to get, at this point, you're not going to get cured. You are going to progress with the condition and things are going to become more difficult for you. That You can't get an intervention early in your condition or early in your diagnosis to help support you 
on that path and on that journey with your condition. And for us, that challenge continues, and not just for Parkinson's, the Parkinson's community, but many of the progressive conditions that are out there um, that aren't deemed or, or supported well by the NDs at this point. So the work goes on, and it certainly goes on. We, we, we've advocated very strongly with the state government. In fact, part of the delay, you know, NDIS is funded by the states. States disability funds were handed over to the Commonwealth to fund the NDIS, um, and that was done through the COAG agreement. The, the state government have negotiated on multiple uh, on multiple occasions to with, with, withhold some of that money until they can see the NDIS operating the way they want to see. And that, that pressure has partly come from organisations like us um, applying pressure to the state government to say, we're not there yet. NDIS is not there yet. We, we are seeing gaps in the system. We want to see improvement in the system. So the work goes on improving NDIS as it does with the aged care. System, which we submitted to under um, GEAR, under the um, Royal Commission into aged care provision. And we will continue to advocate for, in the aged care system more broadly, uh, you know, 60, 65, um, or sorry, at 60 years, 80, 82% of people with Parkinson's are going to be over 60 years of age. So an, an enormous amount of people living with Parkinson's are going to be relying on the aged care system. And whether they're moving into residential care at some point as well or receiving home care supports at home, that system's critical for them. And what, we find, what we're finding in the middle of COVID is that many of the things that we have highlighted in our responses on things like aged care um, still need to be addressed. And, and sadly, the, the system now... Um, is, you know, we are finding people who have loved ones in residential aged care can't see them, can't be there to provide the care or support that's so critical to them. We know that that care relationship doesn't, doesn't stop when somebody transitions into aged care. Those, those care relationships continue and, you know, an integral part will be going in every day to see someone, maybe share a meal with them, maybe even feed them lunch at lunchtime. Um, and make sure that things are on track in terms of medication. Some of that critical care is not available to people living with Parkinson's in residential care. And we also know that people are at home who should be receiving in-home support at the moment who are turning them away. The fear of infection or being exposed, wanting to take on more in their own home when they really need additional support, or perhaps, perhaps they're at that point in their in their journey with Parkinson's or other comorbidities that are, that are shared within the household where they need additional support to come in and they won't undertake that transition at the moment because of the fear of COVID or having, got, having to go through an assessment process where they don't want people coming into their home. So we've got some real immediate issues right now around supports and services that we are trying to address. Um, it doesn't mean that the long game in terms of improving current systems and supports doesn't continue. We must say that, you know, there are, there are, there are systems of support in this country for people. It's actually getting them to work better for people. Is, is, you know, that's very much our aim. We've got plenty of people who are on NDIS who are actually getting um, great packages, good support and are living well. And I guess they're, they're the ones we want to hold up and say we want this for more people living with Parkinson's. Um, as we do with other chronic illnesses, um, progressive illnesses, we want 
people to have that sort of level of support and care on their journey with Parkinson's. And it is possible. It's just going to continue to be something that we're going to have to advocate and push for, not only as an organisation, but as a community. At the base level, Naomi, do you find your included with some of the input for requirements for the peers you're seeing for the actual people on the floor? Uh, so do you mean that uh, am I... No, the actual people, the people you're working with, you know, the ones who, uh, you know, the, the Andrews and the rest of them that are, that are in your group, do they get their voice? You know, we had the having a say conference for people who live with disability. Do we have and they give a voice to what, you know, they feel should be going on within their community, but do the, do the people at the lower level, the people at the base level, the Parkinson's people and the multi-sclerosis and all those at that level, do they get a voice? I think it's part of our role as nurses uh, to try and give those people a voice, absolutely. Um, we need to advocate as much as we can the needs of people when they're vulnerable and protect them as best that vulnerability as best we can. And that's a big part of our role as nurses to listen and whether it be in any setting or facility that nurses work. Certainly um, the members of the group have got opinions in relation to the, the way the services are working for them, um, if they're working or not. And I certainly spend a lot of time listening and talking with people that are struggling with the system as it is at the moment, particularly around um, there's one um, member of the group whose partner's just gone into care. There's another um, couple whose uh, partner's been in long-term care and the pain and the struggle of that relationship and that situation that they're in at the moment is just heartbreaking for them. Um, and I feel, and I think we all feel for the how difficult, difficult these situations can be for people. I really totally agree with everything that Emma has said and I applaud Parkinson's Victoria for their hard work, um, both on the ground with the members of the support group, their visits to Anamkara and to the Parkinson's support group members are our biggest events of the year. They are very well um, subscribed and the deep respect for Victor and Amanda when they come is palpable within the space. Um, it's very difficult when you live in a regional area to access expert knowledge at times and um, people are quite comfortable with each other in the group and they're quite comfortable to ask questions of uh, Victor or Amanda to get a little bit more clarity around lots of different issues related to Parkinson's, be it medicines or be it um, coping, mobility, swallowing, you know, many, many medication um, and those sort of things. You know, another thing that I hear from some of the support group members is they're concerned about going to appointments because they don't want to go to Geelong because a lot of our um, group members will go to Geelong. So they put they put them off, but there's things they want to ask and there's questions they want to ask. So you know, one of my things that I, I do, I guess, is just help um, support them to still access some of the services that are still there, whether they be telehealth or whether they be um, bringing Parkinson's Victoria to get a bit of extra support and advice. Um, I think going back to uh, referral, I think uh, too that. Um, 
we need to uh, even ourselves at Anamkara and perhaps Parkinson's Victoria, we need to work a little harder on making sure that our medical professionals are referring to the support groups. I think at times that, that, that they're so busy that they don't often do that step of the, um, you know, we do get referrals, but they're not uh, perhaps as many people as I think could be out there. It's very hard to know how many people are out there, but um, certainly they pop up every so often, like through another route that, that they'll be referred to the group. Um, so really, you know, sessions like this are really important, I think, to help shine a light on the existence of the group and um, that Parkinson's Victoria is there as well and how important it is that people engage in support um, and reach out for support so that we can help them deal with some of these various issues that can potentially make them quite vulnerable um, whilst managing their, their illness. Um, but, but yes, I think there's a number of issues that uh, some things we're doing, we're doing well with and there's some areas that certainly need some improvement. Richard, and, young, and on your, sorry, and on your point about, about raising your voice, I think, um, I think we as an organisation, every time we do that engagement with community and we do, you know, an average a year, we do 170 face-to-face -face visits with support groups. So, um, and that's not including uh, our community seminars and education sessions with healthcare professionals and others in the community. The feedback we receive, and I attend many of them myself, you know, some people do not have the energy to advocate. But speaking to me and speaking to the members of the Parkinson's Victoria team is about raising your voice as it is talking directly to Naomi as a nurse, it is raising your voice because we are very aware of the issues that face and concern our community. And it's our responsibility too, if they can't, to raise them on their behalf. And that's what we, that's what we endeavour to do. Young Parkinson's, you were talking about aged care and young Parkinson's, especially someone young who's got a um, very progressive um, very progressive code of Parkinson's. I don't know how to, how to put the words to that. The, the alternatives for their living environment quite often has been within aged care, yet they're not an aged care person. So you know, what's being looked at in that regard, because it's a sad and it's across the board with a lot of young people who do have debilitating diseases and or conditions where they are thrown into aged care. Where do we go with I think, that? I, I actually think we're seeing a decline in that, and I know that's not everybody's experience um, by any stretch, but we're actually seeing a decline of, of um, young people transitioning with Parkinson's into aged care. If anything, they are the ones who may be accessing um, the NDIS and are actually coming up with um, uh, forms of support and care if, if they are progressed. Where, where we're actually seeing that, you know, some of them are moving out of residential aged care and into other forms of care. So that's, we are certainly seeing that. Um, uh, uh, but I think, I think what we're, when it comes to looking at young onset Parkinson's, you know, we, we've, we've recognised, you know, as an organisation that the trajectory for young onset Parkinson's is often very different. Um, and as is the lived experience of somebody who's um, working, who is um, 
perhaps raising a family, um, engaged in different activities, and therefore our level of support needs to be different as well, not just from access for long-term care, um, but also for treatments and how they can access other things within society which keep them engaged and, you know, in place with their community, with their families. So I think it's, it's, it's not just about the facility, it's about the whole package. And this is why Drew is, is raising the flag for NDIS, saying young people need to be able to access this, particularly so they don't end up on the trajectory where they are, perhaps, um, you know, moving into an aged care facility when, when that's not course what what our um, desired outcome would be for them that they would be able to continue to live at home would be able to continue to live independently for as long as possible and if their care needs increase to such a level where they need um, you know more intense care and support that they can do that in a facility or in a situation with other young people so that would be the aspiration but I'm certainly seeing that we're hearing of more people being able to access NDIS in that case and perhaps even transition out of residential care, aged care, into other forms of care or back This home. may be a bit venal on my point of view, but I'm not sure. You might be aware that there's a parliamentarian in Geelong or from Geelong recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, yes. Emma. John Aaron. Would you be able to, yeah, would you be able to use him as an advocate to be able to, you know, his experience and his voice for the community would be something that would be so invaluable. John, Does that sound a bit... No, John's already been in touch. John's already been on Geelong Radio. Yeah. Um, just recently, um, and when he was in the Herald Sun, he reached out to us and said, please, can I can I raise, raise the profile of Parkinson's, of newly diagnosed people uh, with Parkinson's and, and support people on their journey. I think I can do some good here. So we've had um, a great response from John in that regard. And we look forward to John's support moving forward with shining a spotlight on young onset Parkinson's. So young, 55. Not, by, not, not dissimilar to Drew, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, it's a bit of, it was a bit of a rhetorical question, but so I thought I'd better put <laughs> that way to you because I'm, I know what sort of man he is. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, well, we've got to utilise people like that. I mean, if you look at Michael Fox and some of these other high-profile people, we need to be able to get that message out there to talk about these sorts of well, diseases and illnesses and conditions. I, I think I think the thing I would say to that, and I, I probably know more people with Parkinson's who are less inclined to um, disclose that they have the condition. Um, and that's their choice, and I really respect that too. Yes, I think is. a diagnosis of a chronic progressive neurological condition is, an, is, uh, is a tremendous amount for any individual and their family and friends. Um, to be on a journey um, regarding, and I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't know what it was like to walk in those shoes. To make a, a, a really difficult decision to go public is exceptionally courageous. And um, and I know that John put a lot of thought into it before he made that decision. Yep. Um, so and that would that would be what I'd always caution people to do because. Um, uh, you know, we we know of others who've done it. And I, and I take my hat off to them too. To, to share something so publicly when it's a very personal journey is, is, um, takes a special individual, I think. And, and we are fortunate if we have them in the community 
you know, we, we just played Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond stood back from going to uh, live performances following his diagnosis. So he stepped back from work. I know of somebody who, in the Western region who wrote to him and said, how dare you step back from life because of the diagnosis from with Parkinson's? You should step forward. And um, so, you know, it's going to be different for every individual and every individual with Parkinson's would expect a different response um, from themselves and possibly from others. But for me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, pretty considered on it and think to myself, each, to each their own. But if John's willing to put his hand up, I'm willing to walk with him. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fabulous that he's prepared to shine a light. I'm, I'm very grateful that John has put his hand up. And I'm sure he's had a lot to come to terms with in uh, going through grief about what's happened to him. And, you know, Geelong will have his support. He'll definitely have our support. Well, that's fantastic. And, and I think, and I think mm. you know, when I, when, yeah, when speaking, speaking on this show, you can see that community support and local support is absolutely critical. We, we are here providing a central phone service, but the connection you get from your local community is absolutely invaluable at the moment. Naomi's work, peer support groups, continued work in this environment and your work on local radio. We don't, local broadcasting and local radio is absolutely the foundation of connection, particularly in times like this. So, you know, everybody is doing their part of trying to make this a better situation in you know including yourselves so i'm you know i'm really grateful that you've given us some time today to talk about parkinson's and what we've been doing but it's it's what you're doing locally that's really making a difference too the the initial connection though is with family where are we going oh, and carers we haven't talked about the carers yet yeah. and the family so where are we going and how are we looking after the family and those closest to the person with Parkinson's and such others? Well, certainly, look, I, I'll, I'll be really honest here. We're, we've, we've done, as I've said, um, over 1,000 calls, 600 to people on our, on our um, contact list um, outbound. Some of those calls are more than an hour long. Um, in fact, the duration of calls from the first lockdown or the first... Um, restrictions earlier in the year over April. The call duration was much shorter, but people were raising isolation and carers were certainly raising um, um, isolation, reduction in contact with family members and connection as real issues. But this stage has been different and the impact on, the impact on our carers um, uh, is significant also because a lot of them, have, a lot of families or a lot of people living with Parkinson's, knowing their vulnerability, have been isolating almost for five months now. Even though we've had some opening up of restrictions, they haven't really opened up themselves because they've kept very, very conservative and, um, and taken um, measures to mitigate risk in a way which have kept them very isolated. And that means that the care is really falling on the, the, their, their loved one or whoever's playing a primary carer role for them in their life, a friend, a family member. Um, and what we're seeing is, you know, whether they're, you know, they've had to go into hospital for a period, one visitor for one hour a, a day means that generally it's going back to the primary care or that carer, care partner, 
is the one person and that it's all centered around that individual and it is in the home as well which means you might still get some family support but we're seeing a lot of um, coming on the carer and and certainly a lot of our a lot of our calls are about the carers not wanting external services to come in and supports because they're worried this this the impact on carers is significant it's and it's impacting also on the care relationship because you know when you're isolated with with maybe one person or just your family <laughs> it, it may not give you a lot of all the, the regular outlets that you need and so we are seeing a lot of strain um um, physical strain, emotional strain on um, the, on carers and the care relationship. Um, you know, even the person with Parkinson's is um, may be concerned about the pressure on their carer too. And your mental health, and we all need mental health. That's every one of us. So, so in terms of mental health, I think you know the biggest one we've had is about um, um, isolation feelings of anxiety um, associated with that isolation. Um, and, and we certainly have been giving people and linking people with, with local services or helping them develop strategies. Maybe as Naomi would know, looking at whether medication is at the right level for somebody or whether they need a referral for other medication. Because a lot of people with Parkinson's will have um, anxiety um, and perhaps dep depression associated with condition, and it may be amplified during this period, or they may be seeing a, a change in other symptoms, or maybe it's even something as simple as the lack of regular exercise is actually impacting med the medication mix or dosage for them, and that that needs to be tweaked and, um, and rectified in order to get them better balance, which then can give them the meds on board um, uh, to perhaps manage um, um, other things or symptoms that have probably um, been exacerbated under this period. We have seen a lot of reduction in exercise during this period um, because people have disengaged, as Naomi would know, from some of the regular services and activities that would keep them physically active. Which is where I must thank Charlotte for helping organise you too, Emma, because on a couple of occasions she's caught me leaving my keys or um, <laughs> my keys or ex exercises. We've had a couple of chats to make sure things were going okay. Look, as far as contacting, then we need some information. I've got, as far as to be able to get in in organised to have a look or what's going on with Parkinson's yeah. Vic. You've got your, all your w's.parkinsonsvic.org.au has got a, a lot of information there on site. And your free information call is 1-800-644-189. And of course, as everyone else is, and I don't want to know about your tweeters and your other ones, but you're also on Facebook. We are, and we've actually set up a lot of our support groups. We're helping them support up Facebook groups at the moment. So, look, we're in the calls that we've made, we know a lot of people have an access, access to a computer. In fact, 90% of our calls we're making outbound, we're saying 90% of people have access to a computer and the internet. It's actually 
the utilisation and literacy that's the issue. So I can, you know, that's really helpful for us to know as we start to target what else can we do to help people build people's literacy in that space. But Facebook, yes, website, yes. And we're going to keep up our call service for those who may not be as well connected. And we've got free membership of Parkinson's Victoria at the moment too, so that if you want to get a copy, sign, sign up and become a, a member for free. For the next year, then you can get a copy of the magazine quarterly and that might keep connected as well. And also connects you to all the other services and everything else that is so critical and services such as yours, Naomi. Just to wind up on your, how do we get in contact with you guys in Colac? Yeah, so um, we're available via landline, which is 0352338203. We also have a website, which is www.anamkarahousecollac.org.au. Sorry, it's a bit long. And we're also found on Facebook as well. So you can um, ring uh, uh, or, or find us on Facebook, ring or get in touch via uh, our website. Um, we... we uh, continuing to support our Parkinson's support group members as best we can in this situation and we look forward to um, doing some work with you guys at OCR to sort of uh, put a program together to uh, for our Parkinson's support group um, members to tune into. Uh, as, as I've surveyed our guys, um, none of them are really particularly interested in anything online so we've come up with a, as a plan to do something over the airwaves instead. Um, certainly just to say um, we're talking about courage and uh, courage of people in the public eye to come forward and, and, and share their stories and experiences with Parkinson's. I think the same courage applies in a way to people coming to the support groups um, in the first instance. I think that's something that I, I get a sense of. There's some people that are uh, members of our mailing list but never come um, to the group and I keep them, um, keep, still continue to uh, keep them posted with what the group is up to. Um, but certainly from their carers at times I hear stories of um, reluctance to come because they're scared to come into that space and what they might experience and see. Um, so I encourage those that are out there that might be listening be they a carer or someone with Parkinson's, that the group is very um, supportive and very non-judgmental, and people are at all different phases of their illness. Uh, and if you if you want to know more about the group, to get in touch, we're here to support you. I, I think you would be very welcoming, Naomi. <laughs> we said, well, the whole group is very welcoming. Oh, I bet. A delightful bet. group of um, local people, really. They are, and they really welcome any any new people to that um, group as well. That's wonderful. And, and, and as you would as you would know, um, that just because you come to a group doesn't mean you're talking about Parkinson's. No, no, often so it's just a great opportunity. It. You know, you think you might have to talk about your condition, but you don't have to talk about it at all. And it means no. that other people won't talk about it either with you. No, you can just catch often. up and make friends. Exactly. Uh, talk about football, break it down, discuss the local topics, right. and eat a very hearty country style afternoon tea, I must say. The, the, <laughs> the, no doubt the, the best egg and lettuce sandwiches in the West. Well, that, Am I right? I mentioned the scones. <laughs> 
Okay, no, don't mention the scones. I learnt that in stall. You don't mention the scones. Oh, I think we better come to the meeting. I think it is. Yeah, just come and meet welcome to come along. I'm sure the group participants would welcome you all with open arms and we really want to hear your story. They're quite interested in the story of people that come to the group. So. Hmm. All right, well, look, we're going to have to wind this up. So, Naomi, you're going to have to think of your track for going out with. Just while I remind people about the COVID clinic opening hours here in Colac, that all the um, the COVID clinic is actually at the neighbourhood house now, at 23 North Street, and it's open Monday to Friday, 9.30am to 3pm, okay? And it's also going to be open Saturday and Sunday, 9.30am to 1pm. And to get yourself organised to go in for a test, you're in 5.2 three two five four zero two and as we know things are slowing down in the area but results can still take up to 72 hours but you know they're running pretty good on time with that but if you do really get edgy about everything you can always ring the COVID-19 inquiries number and it's also a device number and that's 1-800-512-424 but you won't have to be waiting days and days and days anymore and thankfully things are slowing down let's hope that uh, things get better now i'm going to say thank you to you two guys or two women on behalf of andrew aiden because i know that support that you people give him has been fantastic and he's had to leave us for for personal reasons early but i'd like to, to really thank you emma colin for being here parkinson's vic ceo and once again naomi uh, for your input and the great work you do for our local community. It's been yeah. absolutely fantastic. And, of course, I thank my lovely wife here, Edwina. And now it's time, Naomi, for you to give us a track to go out with. I haven't actually given this any thought. Have yet. you got any ideas? I Sorry? Haven't, I haven't given this any thought, but I, I just, you know, the song that popped into my head was Stuck in the Middle with You. <laughs> Stuck oh. in the middle with you. Okay, I don't know who sings, but we're going to go out with Stuck in the Middle with You. And, uh, <laughs> we're looking you forward bet. to moving forward. And, and um, you know, it's been a long, hard time for a lot of people out there. And, you know, we'll just keep on going and we'll get through it all together. We'll stick together and work, work through it until we're through to the other side. Right, look, thank you very much once again for being with us here on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we have been streaming live at all the W's, OCRFM.org.au. And it's been Greg and Edwina on Community Connect, and we'll talk again with you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to OCRFM.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.